subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, it's not exactly what we expected on Saturday, but at the end of the day, it's 28-6. Arkansas is 2-0, and there's several SEC teams that can't say that to this point. Well, I don't think you should ever apologize for being 2-0. It wasn't a sterling performance by any stretch, and I don't think anyone would say that. Um, Here's the thing. It's, It's very difficult to play at a high level two weeks in a row when you know the opponent has no chance to beat you, when you're basically playing against a bar, so to speak. Um, They met the bar the first week, probably didn't meet it the way they wanted to Saturday. But I think they'll play a lot better this Saturday night because it's going to be a better opponent. And I think that's got a lot to do with how teams prepare. I watched uh, part of the replay of Tennessee's game with Austin P. I mean, Tennessee's ninth-ranked team in the country. Uh, they had a hard time putting them away. But it was also, you know, second straight week in which they were playing a team they were decidedly better than. And so I think that I think that played into it some. Um, I wouldn't read a whole lot into it. I do think that they're still trying to figure things out on the offensive line, and I would suspect that that'll be a focal point this week. Yeah, you could you – could... You could feel, just watching the press conference with Sam Pittman, I'm sure you could feel it doing his television show after. There, there's just some frustration there. And I thought for the first time, he, at least in a long time, you could feel the, the frustration with even the questions being asked after the game on Saturday night. There is, I don't, the pot isn't boiling over, but it's, it's simmering a little bit right now with him just trying to get this figured out. Well, I think he was irritated with a line of questioning, if you want to get right down to it. I did not know all that had gone on because I will tell you that when he came out to do the television show, um, hey, he's 2-0, and o, you know? I mean, uh, it was business as usual. I didn't know that had happened in there until later. I uh, watched the press conference actually yesterday and uh, kind of heard some of that. Um, you know, he did some things Saturday that some might view as a little bit unconventional. But he did exactly what, if you really stop and think about it, a lot of us talked about before the Western Carolina game. You know, do you use these first two ball games to figure out exactly what you've got? Do you play a lot of people? Do you look at combinations? Because you're going to win the game anyway. And they did that Saturday. I think, very frankly, they probably had some linemen out there. And I'm talking about combinations that we may or may not see again. You're not going to ever have... I don't think, eight or nine legit offensive linemen. You look at most teams out there, even the good ones, they got seven, maybe eight guys that can really play. I mean, really play. And the other guys you play if somebody gets hurt, or you have to. And I think where Arkansas is right now is they're trying to get to six or seven. They're not to eight, but they got to get to six or seven. And Crawford is definitely a candidate. And you got to get... Manual, 
uh, some time out there on the field right now because those are your sixth and seventh guys. Those are the guys you've got to get better. And those guys played a pretty good bit on Saturday, and I suspect they were probably out there in situations they might not be if the game had been on the line. I don't know that, but I'm going to speculate on that. I think what he got irritated by was that maybe there was not some recognition of that. That, you know, before a season starts and before you play a lesser opponent, you know, one side of your mouth you say, well, they need to play a lot of guys, work on some things, find out what they got. Well, then when you do it and you're not clicking on all cylinders, everybody kind of wonders what's going on. But I do think that, again, the offensive line will be a focal point this week. I, I'm, I'm certain of that. And that may or may not have anything to do with the running game per se. But I think it has to do with the overall offense. We got a text in from uh, Tucker and Sherwood on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. This is something I saw on Saturday again. Bo Limmer had some trouble with snaps, and he's saying that Josh Braun potentially is a guy that they could see moving at some point. He's advocating for Amari Wiggins to possibly start at center. And I don't see that happening. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Is that a is Wiggins a guy that you mentioned two guys right there, Devin Manuel and Tykees Crawford? Is Wiggins a guy that could also be kind of for that? Well, he guy? needs to be. He needs to be. And, you know, that's 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 a guy right there that, you know, you want to play. He's a big guy. I mean, he's 310. Um, he played up at Coffeyville. He's a kid out of Pensacola, Florida. And, um, you know, they would like him to be a – um, you know, they'd like him to be somebody they can play. That's why he talked about him a good bit in camp uh, because you're trying to build that. And, yes, he's, he's one of those guys. And, uh, but you've got to find the right combination. And sometimes it's not as simple as finding the five best. That's where you start, but that's not always, you know, it, it's just not always as simple as that. And so I, I think they're still searching for that. Again, guys, I would expect – Arkansas to play a much better game against a better team Saturday night than what they saw Saturday against Kent State. There was uh, uh, there was not the sense of urgency that well, I think a lot of people wanted to see. We're talking about the line of questioning Coach got when he was asked about rotating the offensive line these two games. Here's what his response was to that. Guys, we're not the only team in the world that's played five old linemen. I mean, somebody's playing six or seven. I'm trying to figure out who our best linemen are and if I feel like they They've earned opportunities to play. What's the difference in an O lineman and a freaking D lineman? We played nine of them guys. I mean, if I feel like they're good enough to help us win, it'll help us in the long run. I understand that we're supposed to play five guys. We do, but that ain't why we're not running the ball, guys. Well, and again, here's why he said they haven't been able to run the football at this point, and it's a pretty honest take. There's a lot of reasons why we're not dominating the line of scrimmage like we had before, and some of it has to do with we're not moving the line of scrimmage up front like we have been in the past. We're just not moving them. We're just not knocking them off the football right now, and we're not blocking particularly well on the edge. We're just not blocking particularly well, period. So is that a combination of Cody Kennedy, Coach Pittman coaching? Is that the players themselves just not following directives? I mean, through the first two games, I know we, again, talked about the first game. They passed all over them because they stacked the box. Second game, they weren't really great at passing or running. Are we going to see them be able to run the football on Saturday night? If they can't, 
How confident, as you said, Tommy, you have going into Baton Rouge if you haven't shown you can run the football? Yeah, let me come back to that in a minute. I want to go back to something else Coach said when he talked to, when he was asked about how did halftime go and that conversation. He used the word strain. We we challenged our guys to strain more. Strain's just another, I think, coaching word for effort. And he didn't feel like, you know, from what I was hearing from his comments, they were getting all they could get in the strain uh, at the offensive line. You're not blowing these guys off because we didn't feel like we were getting the strain we needed. I think that's the, the frustrating part, Chuck, is is when a coach doesn't feel like they're getting – he used the word strain. Um, I used the word strain's effort. Strain's a general term. Yeah. Strain's a general term yeah. that can be taken in a lot of different ways. What I take strain to mean is that you got to stay on your block. You got to stay on your block. You got to finish the block, finish the play. And maybe that's going on. Maybe it's not. But now this stuff about, you know, is, is this because of coaching? Is this because they're not? I mean, guys, we're two games into this. We're two games into this. Everybody wants to rush to judgment. Everybody wants to, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. I don't know if you guys know this. This is the first time in over 20 years, nearly 25, that we've been 2-0 and in back-to-back seasons. Let's not act like this is a birthright. You know, let's not act like we're automatically going to click on all cylinders right out of the gate. This team was 6-6 six and six a year ago. There was a reason for that. You don't automatically go from six and six the second week of the next season to looking like a top ten team. You just don't. It doesn't happen. So I'm not gonna, and I don't think they should. I don't think you should apologize for being two and zero. Now everybody with a double digit IQ knows you got to play better against Brigham Young. But you know, again, um, sometimes second games, second straight weeks against lesser opponents. You're going to play great the first week. It's going to be so-so the second week. Um, if this is a pattern, then, you know, obviously it may cost them. But I don't get the sense that it's going to be. I just, and here's the deal. When you can throw the way they can, you don't have to rush for 250 yards to win. Yeah, in the first game. But the second game, they were off in that category, too. That's like when we said the first game, it's because they passed all over Western I think you're Carolina. reading too much into it. I really do. I th- I, th- I think you're reading too much I, into it. I'm just the responses that we've gotten from fans. And again, it's. I think there's a lot. Well, of I think they're p- reading too much into it. If 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 they're overly concerned at this point, I think everybody's reading too much into it. I think it's valid. Again, two games in, there's going to be issues. Every team's had issues to this point. You can look across the SEC. SEC has not looked good through two weeks of football, even against some lesser opponents that we've seen this past week. But what I think is not necessarily alarming to fans, but they're just wondering about, and I know games differ, but if UCF can rack up nearly 700 total yards against the same team that you struggled mightily against at home, that just doesn't compute with our fan base, whether it's rushing the football or passing the football. I hear that. That's where people are trying to piece this together. It's like, well, how can Gus Malzahn and company dominate them in every facet of the game and we look because every game's different ty every game's different did you not expect kent state to be better in the second game than the first i mean they got players on scholarship too yeah i mean did you not expect improvement from them they're not power five let me ask you this did you pick arkansas to cover i did okay tommy did you i did not 
Okay, it went just about like Tommy thought it would. No reason for Tommy to be upset. Are you upset because they didn't have style points, or are you upset because they didn't cover? I didn't bet on it this week, so luckily... Okay, I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. It's an honest question. Thank, thank goodness I didn't bet, because I would Okay, bet, uh, it's an honest question, uh, though. And it's a fair question. The people ask. who didn't bet Arkansas to cover, what are you complaining about? It went exactly like you thought it would. Uh, and the people that didn't see Arkansas win by 35 or 38, are you mad because they didn't blow them out, or, or, or are you mad because they, they didn't cover? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. So, uh, I guess we're you're one and one. I'm zero and two when it comes to well, picking against. Here, <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, is whether we want to admit it or not, that 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 figures into our thought process. Yeah. I'm not being critical, Ty. I'm just saying <laughs> that's human nature. Yeah. Here's where I'm at, and I don't know if the fan base. I don't know if I'm in the majority or if people even in this forward thinking, but I'm concerned. I've got angst. I'm not, you know, I'm not not overly concerned, but we, we look nowhere near prepared to play LSU. Now we don't play them this Saturday. We got two weeks. We get BYU, but we're marching closer to that game. And Chuck, I think that's where a lot of people are at. Is they may not say it loud and they may not say it publicly, but we're all thinking in the back of our head. We got a long ways to go to be ready for that SEC opener right now, and this week needs to show drastic improvement to get there. Well, you're going to have to play better Saturday night to win the game. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I think they know that. I don't think we're saying anything they don't know. And, and, and I would, again, imagine that has already been a focal point since the game ended Saturday night or Saturday evening, and I suspect it'll be a focal point when they're on the practice mm-hmm. field today. I think it was a focal point at halftime, just based Might on... Been. The, yeah, Might I mean, have been. Yeah. Might have been. What did he say? It was ugly? Or he, he, I forget how he described it, but he, he made it clear halftime was not pretty. Uh, but again, Saturday. you were playing against a bar. It's hard to play against the bar for two straight weeks because you're not playing against an opponent that has a chance to beat you. There was no point Saturday where Kent State had a chance to win that game. No point. And that's a tough thing for a team to do two weeks in a row. I would expect it to look a whole lot different Saturday night. All right, we're going to take some calls here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, starting with Hong Kong Sui. Go ahead, man. You're on the morning rush. Morning, guys. Hey, uh, I just want to start out. I want to say something that Chuck has been trying to say, but it's been far too kind to tell you. The average college football fan is an idiot. They don't know what they're looking at when they're when they're watching a the game. They just think that things should be a certain way. This whole idea that just because UCF beat Kent State, you know, with seven hundred and nine thousand yards of offense in game one, so we should have. That's two completely different teams. I mean, I'm just talking about Kent State. Just like we were different teams from week to week. Kent State got better in, over in week two. Uh, we did not play all that, that well in week two and still won easily. Uh, the whole, we're just looking for style points, wanting to win by enough. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd have beat, if we had beat this team by 70, we still would be worried about LSU because they're a heck of a lot better football team than anybody that we were going to play before them. Uh, as to whether the coaching is the problem on the offensive line, I don't know if you know this, but Sam Pittman is one of the greatest uh, offensive line coaches in all of football. Do you think he's letting Cody Kennedy just teach him dumb stuff that's not going to work? I mean, come on, people. Just use your head. Sure, we didn't look as good as we wanted to the other night, but we won. We're 2-0, and um, and it's football. Sometimes the other team decides they're going to play a little bit. Sometimes you think you got an easy game and go out there and 
you know, get your face pounded in for a half before you think, oh, I better go ahead and start playing. Uh, we'll run the ball. We'll throw the ball. We'll do what we need to to win games. That's what we got to do. Now, are we going to go 12 and 0? No, and anybody that thought we were is probably not being realistic. Uh, but I still believe that we can win nine or 10 this season without any, without any, you know, real doubts in my mind. Uh, this is a good football team. It's a good football team that needs to work harder and get better, particularly in certain positions. I'm far more worried about Nudie McLaughlin's turf toe than I am about how well the offensive line played against a couple of Pats. Yeah, and thanks uh, Thanks for the call, Hong Kong Sui. For those that don't know, Nudie played one play on Saturday. They didn't like how he looked. They took him out, brought Keon Studer in, but we hadn't mentioned him just yet. I don't know what his prognosis and how long his timeline's going to be till he comes back. I know turf toe lingers, so hopefully... It does, and that's why they didn't play him, mm-hmm. because they knew they could win without him, just, just to be blunt. And there are bigger games coming, and you want him healthy for those games. It is a nagging injury. You're right, and the worst thing you can do is play when you're hurt. Yeah. And that's uh, and again, I would argue that that's your best defensive back and best one-on-one cover corner based on what he did last season. He's already got an interception in game one. Hopefully, again, he'll be back at some point, especially when he walks in to play his former team in the LSU Tigers. JR is up next. JR, welcome into the morning rush. Morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good, man. Hey, JR. I, I'm not going to make too much about about what went on Saturday. I, I don't really see the cause concern. I think that really when you look at that, uh, it's hard to play. You know, you're playing up to competition, you know, the first two weeks. I think what really needs to be looked at is that we have the ability to rotate offensive linemen in to see which combination is going to work the best. If you can do that, then you're one step ahead of most teams. Most teams can't do that. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains in that, obviously, but I mean, there, there's not enough concern. Has anybody heard anything on Rocket or he's at on any anything this Saturday, or is it going to be just a day by day? I think it's day to day with Rocket right now. You know, Coach Pittman said last week that it might be two weeks, and so um, again, I I think that they'll be I think they'll be cautious with uh, with him. Um, you know, as as far as rotating guys, finding out what you've got, and we've talked about, in this case, the offensive linemen, that was probably the last chance they'd get to do that. And I think he knew that. You're not going to be able to experiment against BYU in all likelihood, and you better be set when you go to Baton Rouge. You can't experiment down there. So I think there was also the reality from a coaching standpoint that if you were going to get these guys in and if you were going to rotate and if you were going to experiment and still win the game, this was probably going to be your last chance to do it. So they took advantage of that. Last call of the segment goes to Jimmy, who's in Little Rock. Jimmy, welcome into the Morning Rush, man. The only thing I'm concerned about is Sam... Getting, getting all up in his feelings. He makes millions of dollars to answer them questions, and uh, they they wasn't back-breaking questions. Get over it, coach the team, and stop whining on, on the radio and on the TV. Uh, he wasn't We don't need that. Uh, but have you watched it? Mistake. Have you watched it? Yeah, watched I watched it? it. He made a blunder. What about his mistake? What about on the goal line let that, let that play uh, get that uh, delay of game penalty? He said it was on him. I seen it. Uh, oh, what guys, I'm trying to say no is argument. He, huh? 
That's just no argument. You to take the criticism. Either take it and coach or, or get out. I like Sam, but that crying crap ain't, ain't for me. Well, they played two freshman tackles. Now, listen, now, he ain't that great offensive line coach because if he is, they ain't done it since the four years he's been there. And that's my comment to thank y'all. Jimmy, right. appreciate it. So, a uh, couple things on that. One, I don't want him to be happy if his team didn't play good. They didn't play good. And he wasn't happy in the postgame press conference. Two, I didn't have an issue with the line of questioning, to be perfectly honest. That's what fans want to know about, whether it's your the readers, the viewers, our listeners. They want to know about the offensive line. He got asked about the offensive line. Now, he may not have liked how it was framed, but that's what fans want to know about. And again, he's frustrated because that's supposed to be his unit. Even though he's the head coach, that's supposed to be his group. And to this point, I would argue through two games, and it gets early, that that's the group that people have the most concern about. So I think, again, there's, there's valids to both sides. I don't want him happy after a game like that, but I also didn't have an issue with some of the questions he was asked. Well, I don't think it's an unfair line of questioning. I don't think that. I think when you're up there and you're answering questions and you get the same question for the fourth or fifth time, I think that's where perhaps your frustration begins to show. Because, look, Ty, you know this, and I know this, and so does Tommy. There are lots of media people in that press conference. There's sometimes two purposes. One is to let everybody know you're there. Uh, but secondly is you'll hear reporters ask the same question two or three different ways and it's because the coach has not answered it the way they want them to and I think they've sometimes gotten into situations where they repeatedly ask a question because he's not given them the answer they want and I do think that went on some Saturday night after the game and I think it goes on with every coach after every game at every school I think points are belabored just to be honest and you think about yourself in a conversation with somebody if I'm talking to someone and they start belaboring the point I'm ready to roll man you've made your point point made point taken let's go Um, and I think there's some of that probably at play in this as well I wouldn't make a big deal out of it either way to be honest with you I think we already have made too big a deal out of it well maybe so maybe so yeah Coach Pittman's reaction was he didn't go Nick Saban he wasn't whining yeah he didn't go Saban or anything like that he He said we're making a mountain out of a molehill is basically what he he said to to that point again he was asked about it first didn't really go into it and the second or third time he did actually elaborate and then he went back and apologized for how he initially answered it to Jimmy Jimmy didn't mention that at that point but he was irked he was irritated by that questioning because again that's supposed to be his unit that's supposed to be the strongest unit in your team every year and he got well, well there's frustration too when you know more about it than the guy that's oh, asking the question true and valid there's frustration there ding 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 no more calls please we have a winner on that answer right there <laughs> The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. 
Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You can save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. We are offering a special deal for you. If you head to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and use code HTL50, you can get 50% off. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your options and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals that can be ready in just two minutes. No prep and no mess. Try Factor and you'll still be able to get the flavor and nutritional quality you want and need. Remember, go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and use code HTL50 to get 50% off. That's code HTL50 at factormeals.com slash HTL50. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Coach Pittman was asked in the uh, press conference about kind of the game plan and, and what they had to do in order to win this football game. Running K.J. Jefferson, once again, was not necessarily a part of that. Here's what Coach said following the game on what they had to do on Saturday. We had runs certainly in for K.J., but most of them were strictly for short yardage type situations. But we were ready for that. Just obviously we didn't want to have to go to that, if that makes sense. We were missing blocks, you know. We any type of movement uh, bothered us. There, there were some times when we didn't have an RPO on the back end. The safety came in and hit us. We weren't especially throwing RPOs and the bubbles well early, so we took them off of the back end. Now KJ got asked in the post-game press conference as well about him having to run, not necessarily being in the game plan, and, and just kind of getting hit and. Honestly, he was willing to take it. It actually felt good. I mean, because I ain't been hitting so long, like you said. So once I got the first hit, I was like, okay, I'm back now. I feel good and I'm ready now. So, I mean, it felt good as being able to just, you know, say, help my teammates get out there and uh, secure the victory. And knowing that crunch time situations that I was going to have to carry the ball and be that guy to go make a first down or give my team a spark, try to get some momentum flowing and make a play or something. So it felt really good getting back to it and getting hit. Here, here's the response that we got on hog reaction and that I've heard throughout the weekend that through two games 
Arkansas shouldn't have to run KJ. That shouldn't have to be a part of the offense. They should just be able to hand it off to Rocket, who of course didn't play on Saturday, or AJ Green or Dominion, whoever the case. But in the first two games, you still had to use that as part of your game plan. Well, you didn't in the first game. You didn't in the first game. They didn't have to at all in the first game. They ran him five times. That's all they ran him. Now Saturday they had to run him, and I think one of the issues going, uh, you know, one of the things they're going to have to do as they move through the season, you're going to have to be able to run the ball without KJ necessarily having to do what he did Saturday. I mean, basically their running game in the second half was quarterback sweeps with Dominic Johnson as the lead blocker. I mean, that's 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 kind of what opened it up. If you want to get right down to it, you don't want to have to do that necessarily to win the game. Um, you don't want to necessarily have to do that to run the ball. They did Saturday. That's not the spot that you want to be in. And um, but you know, you you answered your own question. You said. They want him to turn and hand the ball to Rocket Sanders. Rocket Sanders didn't play Saturday. Well, that's part of the reason. That's part of the reason you had to run KJ a little bit more. Um, you got your full complement back there. Maybe you don't have to do that quite as much. But, you know, the point about running KJ, if you listen to the pregame show, you know, Sam Pittman said, we're going to run KJ more today because we are going to have to as we move forward. They know that. That's why he ran the ball more Saturday. Now, honestly, in the second half, it was more out of necessity than by design. It was just, it was truly out of necessity when you got to the second half. They needed that to win the game, or at least to you know, move the football, maintain control of the game. Um, that, you know, is something to watch for, I think, going forward. But, you know, they ran him because they're going to have to. And you don't want the first time you have to to be the first time. You want him to say things after the game like, it felt good to get hit. You know, you'd rather it happen in a game like this one where there's no chance you're going to lose than a game like Saturday night when, you know, if you don't make that play, you might get beat, certainly the following Saturday. So that was by, you know, they wanted to run K.J. Moore. And look, here's the deal. If you don't run KJ at all the first couple of games and you get to BYU, something happens on the first time he runs the ball, you're going to be saying, well, they should have run him more in the first couple of games. That's get true. Used to getting yeah. hit. So that's what they've done. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to run the ball without KJ having to carry the load. By the way, anyone checked on that poor old guy from Kent State that got ran over twice? Hey, man. Like, twice? Hey, holy smokes. There were a couple, there were three or four of those guys that, ooh. Um, ooh, man, they ended up on the wrong end for sure. Uh, what's that called? A bad business well, decision? One guy came in there and hit him and, and kind of like the previous week went down. Then I think it was the same guy that KJ ran over an open field and it, it they had to scrape him off. I mean, it, it he trucked that one guy. I mean, it's brutal. So well, that, but that's what you want to put on film. Give that, him credit for standing in there and taking yeah, it, man. I mean, uh, you're the opposing safety. You got to go watch that on film as you're scouting. You're going to, hey, do I. How do I really want to try and tackle this guy? They had a lot of stoppages in play for their guys getting injured, I noticed, well, uh, on Saturday. Game. Well, yeah. that, you know, it was a physical mismatch in, in, in terms of size and speed. It was a physical mismatch, and that's why some of those guys – but look, I'll give Kent State credit. You go back to um, you go back to their Central Florida game. Those guys weren't even in a spot to take on those licks. So they got better between the first and mm-hmm. second week. That safety that he trucked – he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. Mm. Man, he squared up and took on the quarterback. Only problem was he was 5'10", 180, and the quarterback was 6'3", and 250. Yeah. So it didn't end well for him. But he but made I thought, the tackle. 
I thought Kent State, and look, I, I, I'm not a coach. I won't claim that I can do this. But my guess would be those who can will go back and look at their game against UCF and then look at our game, and they'll look at their run fits. And they'll look at the way they defended the run. Were they in the right place at the right time? Maybe not necessarily did they make a tackle against a bigger guy, but were they in the right place at the right time? I suspect if you were to go back and grade the film, really grade it, knowing what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that you'd find that they were a much better defensive team Saturday than they were the week before. And Arkansas uh, ran the ball a little bit better, especially in the second half. They looked better. They ended up rushing for 172 yards, had a little over 100 this past week. Now they threw the ball a lot more. But what was curious and puzzling to me is you had three rushes for 14 yards in the first quarter. Again, the offense just was stagnant and didn't get going initially. It was the complete opposite of what you saw and we've talked about this morning that you can't always get up for two teams you're supposed to clobber the first two weeks of the season but what was surprising me is like there was their first game to Fayetteville I was like all right they're gonna even though it's a bad football team they're playing they're expected to win by a bajillion points they're playing in Fayetteville so that's gonna like toss that aside but it wasn't that on Saturday they well they didn't have you know what you're saying is they didn't have the same emotion I did but um you know let's see what happens this week if these struggles continue Saturday, they're probably not going to win, you know, or at least they're going to have to battle to win. But um, just as I didn't read an enormous amount into the Western Carolina game, I'm not going to read an enormous amount into this. I think the the read, if you want to get, you know, if you want to use that term, the read starts Saturday night. Yeah. Arkansas only had 23 snaps in the first half. Only had yeah. about 10 minutes of possession. That that they, was the hey, biggest They played issue. four corners football. Yeah. They played four corners football. Yeah. I mean, look, go back and watch that game. Look at the number of times they did not go without a huddle under the guise of tempo. But they snapped the ball with five or six on the snap clock. I mean, their idea was to shorten the ball game. That's why Pittman said, if you go back and listen to what he said in the pregame, this thing unfolded about like he thought it would. He said they're going to hand the ball off more than they did last week. They threw the ball 31 times a week before. You know what they wanted to do Saturday? They wanted to get the heck out of there. They wanted to play as well as they could, but what they wanted to do was survive that ball game because they're going to be judged on how they do in the MAC. Now, they're not picked very high in the MAC. They may finish last in the MAC. I don't know. But um, you could tell that they were trying to minimize the damage from the get-go. They turned it into an ugly game by the way they managed the clock. And fortunately for them and unfortunately for us, Arkansas played right along there for a little bit. Made for a quick game under three hours, two hours. 245. 245. Nothing anybody's yeah, there's counting. A, there's yeah. a smile yeah. from Tommy and Chuck. The nice uh, nice quick game. Yeah. And I think, I, listen, I, I at times, I'm watching this game from the press box. I was more interested in A&M and Miami and Ole Miss and Tulane. I've got those both on my uh, iPad while watching this game because it was just a boring football game. It just was. And I found myself again more. It invested. wasn't a thriller. It wasn't a thriller. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you what was a thriller was the weather. And, man, this week's going to be a great one, too. Great time to start thinking about a fall tune-up, Chuck, with a Pascal heating. It is. And, you know, we're getting closer to the time where uh, we do what 
Well, at least I do. Some days you have your AC on and your heater on. I mean, you run them both. It's that time of year. thing about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is it's going to work because they, they have their plan protection program. They make sure that the problems are taken care of before they occur. You know, that's when you really are dealing with a pro. It's not a matter of how do they handle catastrophe, although sometimes that does come into play. But the real measure is how do you keep these problems from happening? You know, how do they uh, how do they go about preventing these things? And that's what you're going to get with the plan protection program from Pascal. Uh, now, I'll also mention plumbing. You know, we, we're we going to talk about some plumbing some more as we go along. They do it all. They are professional people. It is professional service. And you can schedule your appointment at gopascal.com. Kent State got to the red zone twice and didn't leave with a touchdown. We've seen Arkansas only give up one touchdown this year. But their red zone defense, guys, has been tremendous. 200 yards total in in the game given up to Kent State. Chuck, is this a defense that can continue to be as good in the red zone as they've been through two games when they get to league play? Well, I thought the goal line stand was a good sign, even though, you know, they're obviously they'd move the ball to get there. But the reason it was a good sign to me is because it didn't matter in terms of the outcome of the ball game. It was just, are you willing to be the first team that Kent State scored a touchdown on this year? And I thought that they, um, I thought they played for a little pride down there and kept them out of the end zone. I think that's a good sign. Because, again, even if they'd scored, Arkansas was going to win. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't any doubt about that. But they kept them out of the end zone. And, hey, that's... Um, you know, that's where a lot of games are won and lost. Yeah. We're, we, you know, we, we watched games yesterday in the NFL and a bunch of games on Saturday where the inability sometimes to execute in the red zone costs teams. I really have liked on, on key third down situations the amount of pressure Arkansas has brought effectively uh, in the first two games. But uh, and we'll see what holds up when you get to LSU. I, I know that you got BYU and you got to play better to beat BYU. I think most people are judging this thing as, are we ready for LSU? You got a ways to go, but you don't play them this week. Well, I was encouraged by Jeff Coach's performance Saturday. Yep. Um, he didn't play all that well, frankly. And uh, I won't say he didn't play well. He didn't have numbers. I'll put it that way. At the end of the Western Carolina game, and he had numbers at the end of this ball game. And Arkansas got after the quarterback. You know, they got after the quarterback this week. Now, you know, what Western Carolina was doing lend, it did not lend itself to getting to the quarterback a lot, but they had more chances, too, this week, and they did. Uh, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks, and I guess you're about to read that, too, Tommy. So that was something seven again. Sacks, it was seven sacks. I guess I read it wrong. the defensive line. And yeah. see, the week before, they had 10 tackles for loss. They just didn't have as many sacks. Yeah. They lived in the backfield. They just couldn't get to the quarterback because they were throwing quick. This week, they had a little more time to get to the quarterback, and they got to it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, again, Jeff Cota's guy we heard in the postgame press conference and then we heard his name I feel like we didn't call his name one time last week but well we did because he didn't make a tackle yeah. yeah good to see him again on Saturday prize picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season just select two or more players pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game how does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their prize picks projection. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at prizepicks.com HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. 
That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Welcome to your hog update. I know that a 28-6 victory is something, again, 2-0, you're happy about, but some of you wish it was a little more. And Coach Pittman, he knows that. Got asked about it after the game. Here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot closer than anybody wants us, the fans, the kids, anything like that. But we did come out with a win, and it's always a lot better to learn and work off a win than a loss. I will say this. You're 2-0. Alabama can't say that. Texas A&M can't say that. LSU can't say that that now those aren't conference losses but guys we're heading into week three and there's not a blemish on your record at this point well and i'll i'll repeat what i said in the earlier hour uh some perhaps know this i mean this is the first time in over 20 years that arkansas has been two and oh in back-to-back seasons we started two and oh and i think 98 99 and 2000 we've not started two and oh in back-to-back season since then so um, you know, let's not act like this is a birthright or something that happens. You know, they, they get off to a 4 or 5-0 and o start every year. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I'll take 2-0, and o and I won't apologize for it. I don't think they should either. No, but I think it's okay to expect more from a fan standpoint. No I, question. I think, I think Absolutely. I think the concern, at least where my gut's at, is – Boy, I mean, yeah, you're 2-0, and o, but you don't look anywhere close to ready to challenge LSU to go down there and win. And you, but you don't play him this week. You got another week, but you want to leave this game on Saturday night, and it's going to be a late one. Feeling like, hey, we got a shot when we go to Baton Rouge next Saturday. I think they've got a shot now, and I think they'll play better Saturday night. I know people don't like to hear it, and you expect your team to click on all cylinders every time they go out there and play. Everybody does, but it is awfully difficult to just play against the bar two weeks in a row. You know. Uh, Western Carolina wasn't going to beat Arkansas, and neither was Kent State. There was no point in the game Saturday where Kent State had a chance to win that game. So you're not playing essentially against the other team. You're, you're playing against a bar. And the idea that you're going to meet that just playing against yourself, basically, and execute at a high level for eight straight quarters, that's not going to happen. But I would imagine whatever emotion people feel like was missing on Saturday – 
I'll bet it's there Saturday night. 6.30 kickoff Saturday night. Arkansas opens up as a 10.5-point favorite against the BYU Cougars. It's on ESPN2. It's also right here on ESPN Arkansas. Hit that line.com. We're getting our pregame coverage, Tommy, going a little early yep. this Saturday as well. Start at 1 o'clock. We're going to be there. It's going to be a long day of tailgating. I think a lot of people, are, because of the late start, will we'll get there early. We're going to get there a little early and uh, get going at 1 o'clock, and we'll have uh, – Lindy's, and then we'll also have the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast in the noon hour, and then we'll crank it up from the stadium shop at 1. I'm going to play. I, these later starts get, allows me time. I don't know if you're going to try and play golf in the morning, but I'm going to play a, a round of golf in northwest Arkansas and then uh, then head over to the stadium They're shop. They're getting early tea time. Man. Yeah, we're playing early. We're playing early, so excited about this weekend a lot. It's going to be a rush on Bella Vista Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a rush. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's going to be going to Bella Vista to play golf. Have you ever played? We're playing Shadow Valley this this week. Have you ever played Shadow Valley? Nice golf course. Okay, cool. I have. It's very nice. Is it? You'll enjoy it. I can't wait. I think. I mean, the, you're not going to master it, but it's a pretty course. Ah, uh, that's a given, Chuck. You know that. <laughs> you know that. All right. Well, that is your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Sparky. We'll say it is nice to play with the Supreme Golfer because when you're on a scramble team, you still win money, even if you don't contribute, which is exactly what I did you're this past weekend. Oh, 100%. I carried, his, I carried his beer. I carried his water. I did whatever he wanted me to do. One money. You're not a real me. golfer. Do you stop playing in these scrambles? Yeah. you got to start playing your own ball. Nobody does that. You're not going to get better playing scrambles. Yeah, that's 100% true because I think I'm the same golfer as I was probably two or three exactly. years ago. you got to play your own ball. Get out of some trouble. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a little confidence. Hack it out of the rough. Hack Stop it. leaning on the other guy, yeah. Ty. I'll do my. I, I need to. I need to get after. As soon as football's done, I'm going to really uh, focus hey, on my game. Hey, 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 as soon as football's the New Year's done. Resolution. I've been yeah, saying yeah. that for 30 years, man. <laughs> All right, let's welcome in Brent, who's on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in, Brent. Guys, guys, Chuck. There's one thing, Ty and Tommy. Great Monday to you. There's one thing I gotta say about that game Saturday that was dis- that was disappointing to me, and uh, it's not that we did. I am disappointed with the amount of physical that our offensive line is playing with right now. They need. We've been hearing for years how physical we are, how physical we are, how physical. And you know what? We haven't got physical yet. And that is the Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy calling card. Can you and can I can y'all explain that to me why we are not physical one iota? Well, I think it go back it goes back to Chuck Point last week and, and this week when it comes to you, they stacked the box. You threw it all over them last week. Maybe this week again, you weren't as ready for them as you should have been from a, a mental standpoint because as a team, you're supposed to clobber. But you're right. I mean, I, I think a lot of people expected more out of the offensive line to just pulverize. I mean, and Coach said it earlier. There's a lot of reasons why we're not dominating the line of scrimmage like we had before, and some of it has to do with we're not moving the line of scrimmage up front like we have been in the past. We're just not moving them. We're just not knocking them off the football right now, and we're not blocking particularly well on the edge. We're just not blocking particularly well, period. You know, one of the things that I, 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 I will go back to is the fact, first off, that they did rotate a lot of guys, and he's still looking for the right combinations there. And But I'll give you a couple of reasons why 
you know, maybe when he talked about a lot of reasons, a couple of them that I've talked about a little bit before. You got freshman tackle or first year starters at tackles. Um, you know, the idea that you're going to be some cohesive machine with first time starters at your tackle position is a little bit naive. And your physical, your physicalness comes from when you're certain of your steps, when you're clear on your assignment, and you've repeatedly, through repetition at practice, fulfilled that assignment. And all of a sudden, you're confident. You know what you're doing. Every step you take, you're certain of. That's when you bow up. That's when you bow up and you physically dominate a guy. Until you get to that point, you're not going to do it. And right now, what I see are a couple of young kids at the tackle spots, two or three of them really, who are still learning their steps, and therefore they're not confident enough to be a physical player. Now, there were some issues on the interior on Saturday, and to me that's, that's, that's one of the focal points this week. But now I'll also say this. Um, I don't know that Crawford's going to play as much in the critical moments this week and next week as he did this past Saturday. This past game was the last time that you have the luxury of tinkering. You have no tinkering luxury the rest of the way. You know, that was your last chance to do it. So I'm not quite sure yet, in all honesty, what to make of the offensive line situation. I do believe this will be a physical offensive line because I know the history of the head coach. And uh, as a caller said a little bit earlier, you think Sam Pittman's going to hire a young offensive line coach and let him teach the wrong stuff? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, of course he's not. So, um, But I think a lot of it does right now have to do with inexperience and having not played together enough. I think when they become cohesive and when they're certain of their steps, that's when you blow people off the ball. Until then, it's, it's just really hard to do. See, my read on it is I think they know who their best five are at this point. They know where they want to play them, but they also know that there's going to be points in the season they need more than five, and they got to get those guys ready. And they got to figure out what they can do because I don't think right. they have all the answers. You got to get those six, questions. seven, and eight. Right. You got to get six, seven, at least six, seven, seven and a half. I, I mean, I, you you got to get there. Yeah, and I think they know who can play and what what one or two positions some of these guys can play as well. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. We talked about this in hour one, and again, want to bring it up in hour two. 22 years ago today, the biggest tragedy of my lifetime occurred on U.S. soil. And uh, guys, I, I saw 
the destruction, the aftermath after. Actually, we went to New York after this happened. The craters were still very much in the ground at this point. But Tommy, you described it earlier. I hadn't thought about this, but it's the Pearl Harbor of our lifetime. And that's yeah, they, I mean, my grandparents' generation, their parents' generation, it was it was Pearl Harbor and what happened in Honolulu. For for us, this is this is the uh, you know. To, to, to date, the major event that's happened in our lifetime. So, well, I think we all remember but, where we were. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting, getting ready to say. Was we all know the place and the time and who told us where we were sitting. Uh, it's it's very vivid in all of our memories, Chuck. Right. I mean, that's that's exactly right. I remember exactly where I was, and I think that uh, everyone who is of age does. And um, you know, just being glued to the television set all day long. Um, that's the only time that um, we ever canceled sports rap, just flat out canceled it. And uh, because everybody was carrying coverage, everybody was watching coverage, and it was the only thing anyone was talking about. Not just the main thing, the only thing. Yeah. And it was, a, um, it was one of the darkest days in our nation's history. I was, I was working at uh, KFPW AM radio when this occurred that morning. And I remember you, you, we went to lunch at noon. You didn't know what to do, but you didn't know if your town was next. You didn't know, you know, because they were still in the and the hours that followed that, uh, you know, we'd watch for a couple of hours. I remember gas prices skyrocketing that morning. We went out for lunch to get something quick to come back to the radio station and gas. At, at that point, it went to, to 3.30, 3.40 a gallon or something like that. It was just... It was just, uh, it's like you'd woke up well, in the Well, all the world. planes were grounded. Yeah. You know, every... Uh, no one knew every, what to do. And it was, um, you know, when, obviously, we were not around when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Um, Hawaii is still a faraway place. You know, it really is for a lot of people. And, uh, yes, they attacked our soil, but it wasn't the mainland. This was on the mainland. This was the unthinkable. We didn't think anybody could do this. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't think anybody could pull it off. But they did, and, and it obviously is, uh, you know, the, the, the course of things and the way there's still so many things. I mean, every time you go into an airport, all the things you go through now are a result of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, everything changed in so many ways. Oh. TSA. I mean, that's what you... Yeah. TSA didn't exist the way we know There was now. no TSA. Was no, they, they, they yeah. got, that was born out of that, and... Um, you know, we, now you you can go sign up, and I forget what it is, where you can get your number to go. You know, kind of skip the line. Uh, the so, travel number, yeah, no you know, travel number. None of that stuff exists. I, I, rem- I remember a day where Chuck, you'd buy an airline ticket, and that was you had a ticket to a seat on the plane. I could give it to you, and you'd just go use it. And now today, that's not even you don't even think of something like that. Well, and you know, we've seen over the last twenty two years that um, we may not forget. But sometimes we compromise a little bit, and we've seen that in the sports world. We've talked about it mm-hmm. in the sports world. Um, if you really never forget, you shouldn't really ever forget. And um, there's no, in my mind, I, I'm not hard and fast on very many things. I'm really not. I, I can I can be bent, but um, on this one, that's different. You know, uh, this is a little bit different. Well, in fact, it's a lot different to me. Um, and um, this is one of those incidents and one of those things that happen that if you really never forget, you don't need to compromise either. So on that note, what do you think Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson and guys 
are kind of thinking today and what, what do you think the messages that they're receiving are like today because they're getting them you know that's coming and you're it's already happened i would guess of as of this morning i don't I mean, know I don't know. I'm not going to question what's in their heart, but my point is, is we make little compromises along the way. We make compromises, and most of the time, it's in the name of money, if we want to be real mm-hmm. honest about it. And um, this is one of those for me. I mean, maybe the only thing, but it's one of those for me where there, there, there's not going to be any compromise. Yeah, that's what's at the core of my dislike for live golf. Me too. I remember this day. It's about 9-11. It's about this day. It's about what happened and who was responsible for it, who funded it. You know, I think about it every time someone says live golf. Yeah. Every time the words live golf come out of somebody's mouth, I think about that. Now, maybe I'm the exception there. And I realize, again, we've, we've gotten to the point, and we're really getting off track right here, but we've gotten to the point now where if there's money involved and it's more for us, then it's good. <laughs> and it's not always that way. Yeah. But, but I don't want to belabor the point. I, I, I understand this is a sports show, and I'm not going any further. But um, it's certainly a day that if you were around then, you, you will remember forever. I remember Arkansas canceled their game for that weekend, as did yep. every other Everybody. event. And then Everybody. was it the following weekend you opened because you were opening the south end zone and dedicating that and Tennessee came in and it rained just just buckets of rain and I think you ended up playing Weber State later that year to make up you for did. the that's exactly the what happened. game I believe that's a, kind of the how that, those events unfolded around here and it was a an eerie weird weekend where you know we were no one knew what to do, but there was no college football to, to reflect and lean lean on as you were trying to figure it all out. Well, it was one of those days where I think everyone was in agreement they shouldn't be playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anybody saying you should be playing that day. Yeah, we bring up college football. Let's jump back into college football discussion. It is again a sports show, but we did want to start off the third hour with that discussion a little bit. Yes, we should. All right, so this weekend, again, we'll talk more Arkansas coming up, but we did have a bunch of big-time college football games. The SEC did not have a great showing this weekend. You have Texas A&M losing to Miami. Credit, Hurricanes looked a lot better than I thought they would. Hey, man, they hung nearly 50 on A&M. Tyler Van Dyke, a name you might want to keep an eye on. He looked really good. They could be a a team that competes ACC. I'm excited for Florida State and Clemson. I believe that's next week. And then Miami and Florida State at some point. Maybe we see one of those classic Miami-Florida State games that we got back in the day. I can remember when Jimbo hired Bobby Petrino, thinking to myself, boy, Jimbo better hope this works, or Bobby may be the interim coach by the time we get to November. Well, they, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't rule that they, out. They couldn't score points. They couldn't stop them. Like I said, nearly, nearly. They half scored thirty three, but yeah. they couldn't score in the critical spots. And boy, didn't Connor Wegman look like Tyler Wilson back there? I mean, just getting pounded by the blitz, time after time after time. I think Arkansas fans. You, you mentioned, and you've been right. Uh, uh, we're kind of measuring ourselves, waiting to the LSU. But I don't think. I think after two weeks. There's no one on your schedule that you're, like, terrified to play. You're like, oh, we're no, going to get clocked by these guys. The one thing I see, and maybe we just hadn't seen it unleashed yet, is when I watch other SEC teams, particularly the elite ones, or the ones we think at least are elite at this point, their overall team speed in Arkansas don't seem to match up yet. Now, maybe Arkansas will, but when I watch LSU, even in their loss to Florida State, when I watch Bama this weekend, when I watch... Ole Miss against Tulane, 
There seems to be more overall team speed than what we have. That that's a concern to me. Maybe maybe my eyes aren't calibrated yet, but I, maybe y'all don't agree with that. But that's what I. No, uh, Matt Jones always talks about that on halftime, and you think about some of the studs that are on that '98 team, the NFL talent, the speed that was on. And, and I wonder, not just from a defensive standpoint, and something I was wondering about after the game is, are we going to get Isaiah Satania involved in the offense at all? Because through two games, he really has been minimal. He's been great in special teams, and you've seen that. You've seen that showcase speed but are we going to see that in the offense at all to this well point? they 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 called the bubble with that pass to Jaden wilson in the first game and that's the spot if isaiah had been the starter if he'd won the job if you know wilson started over him basically is what it boils down to mm-hmm. so wilson got the pass and wilson scored and uh they're utilizing that position um, and, you know, there just weren't that many opportunities for him to return things in the special teams game on uh, Saturday. They're just those, – those, those opportunities just didn't present themselves. But Satania will be fine. Here, here, here's what I hope out of this whole deal is that we don't have a schedule anymore where you got two cupcakes out of the game. That's what I hope. If you want to get right down to it, I think if Arkansas had, and, and, and look, you, you got to play the schedule as, as it's laid out, and this is going to change as we go forward. If you played a really good team and a really lousy team in the first couple of ball games, you were two and zero. Everybody be ecstatic. You know, you played two cupcakes. You slept, walked through the second one after dominating the first one, and everybody's in a panic. So, what I really hope, honestly, is that as we move forward, there's there's a pretty good game within those first two weeks because yeah. I think you can get your thoughts a little bit jaded both ways when you're playing two teams in a row that don't have a chance to beat you. See, I think the narrative will be far more positive from the fan base a week from today if you. You go out and you run it for 225. You you look like you you got first downs when you should have, and you won by 17 against BYU. You don't have to win by 30, but you go out and you win by a couple, three touchdowns. You beat the line. You you win by somewhere between 14 and 21. Wait, 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 why 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 are we so concerned about rushing yardage over 200 yards? Why are we so concerned about well, that? because it, Sam keeps coming back to we can't. We can't be dominant but why, at the offensive line. But, but when we throw figures out there, why are we throwing figures like 225 out well, the, there? The same reason my teachers in schools threw out figures like the 90 idea, and 80 and 70. The idea in the modern game of college football that you have to rush for 200 yards to win, that's thats thats not true but anymore. The, I, I think that people... We've not had a quarterback who could throw the ball the way KJ can in a while. And we're going to win more ball games through the air and with the quarterback's feet than you might realize. But when you have a quarterback, I don't think that you runs, have to rush for two twenty-five. Is what I'm saying. Okay, but when you have a quarterback that runs as well as he has, I think we'd all agree on that. And I know Rocket didn't play, and he may not play this week. And you have a running back that's an all-conference back. I think your identity and your expectation is to run the ball effectively and efficiently. And I think. 200 and something yards is effectively and efficiently for a team. Oh, I won't disagree that that's effective and efficient. I'm just saying I don't think you have to do that to win the game. I don't. I, th- I think. I think if you measure your offense or whether or not you're rushing for an average of 200 yards, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know that Arkansas is going to do that as much this year as maybe people think. But my point was the narrative being far more positive. People feeling like you're prepared to go to LSU. Those are the things that I think will will maybe change some of the sentiment. And I don't know it's a majority of the fan base, but the ones we've heard from this morning, they have concerns. And I think those would be some of the things, Chuck, that would quell those concerns. You know how many yards Texas rushed for Saturday night? Any guesses? 
I'm going to say slightly over 105. 100. Yep, slightly over You know 100. what their per rush average was? Six. 2.8. Texas dominated. They moved up and down the field. You don't have to run for those totals to win big games anymore. You just don't. They rushed for one touchdown. You know what their longest run from scrimmage was? 14 yards. At Arkansas. And they scored 34 points and beat Alabama by 10 in Tuscaloosa. It's not a requirement anymore. I'm just telling you it's not. I hear you, but I don't think it's a requirement. Uh, and I, I think what everything you just said is valid. But And what we saw on Saturday is when the passing game isn't clicking too then well, you're, of course, then you're of in course. If you, it, but 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 my point is that you don't have to rush for an enormous amount of yardage to be dominant offensively. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would Texas have continued to run the ball Saturday night when they were throwing at will? You know, there, there was no reason for them to do that. Ewers is twenty-four of thirty-eight for three forty-nine and three touchdowns. Why are you wait? Why why would you waste time running the ball? Yeah, well, and I, I think if you stack up Arkansas's wide receivers against Texas, there's a, a huge difference at that point. Whittington and those guys, there's a lot more talent. That's and beside the point. That's beside the point. I, I don't. Running should be the strength of this team. I'm not saying, well, uh, why? Why? Because you have Rocket Sanders and you have K.J. Jefferson. Well, you got K.J. Jefferson throwing for 300-something yards. I mean, my point is this. We're getting too hung up on the ground game. We're getting too hung up on totals. Nobody in Austin, Texas, or anywhere else following college football today is saying, man, I worry about Texas's inability to run the ball. Nobody's saying that. Because they threw for 349 in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama by 10. All that matters is how many points you score, boys. That's all that matters. That is how they determine the winners still, uh, ironically. But I I just think the identity of this team is... And, and maybe maybe we're going to realize that's not the identity of the well, team at some point. But the identity of the team is running protection. the football. Hold on, you can be physical and pass pro. Let's go. Let's go back to Danny Nose's first year at Arkansas, which the identity under Brett Bielema was the exact same thing running the football. Eight years but ago, were, but, games but, changed. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. But they were an elite passing team that year. Now it took them a little to, bit. It took them about six games where the offense really started rolling. But it did, and that's the. And again, I wonder if that if they're going through something similar this season. But that passing attack with Brandon Allen, Drew Morgan, Hunter Henry, Keon Hatcher, Dominique Reed—that was a lethal passing attack where you torch teams over and over again. And we well, just assume Arkansas's identity is consistently running, like you're talking about. But well, that year wasn't like that. It was a well, great balance attack. I think what they were able to do that year is what you want to be able to do this year, and that's be physical when you need to be. There will be times when, I don't care if you throw the ball all over the yard, there are going to be times you've got to win short yardage at the line of scrimmage. And you want to be able to do that on those plays. But, I, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. And I'll just, you know, look at these Texas numbers. You know, they had 400 and something yards total offense, and 350 of it came through the air. Um, it doesn't matter how you get there. But now you do have to be able to run the ball in short yardage because you do have situations, and you talked about the red zone earlier, Tommy, and all those are valid points. But the idea that your total, your total, has to be what we consider to be a good rushing game, the way we were raised on football. I think that's out the window. It's a situational game now. Can you be physical in those critical moments? If you can be critical, if you can be physical in those critical moments, 
as Texas showed. You can rush for 105 yards, beat Alabama by 10 at their place. So, again, I just wouldn't get too caught up in the numbers. If this team can't blow the ball or can't blow the other side off the ball in short yardage, you got a problem. But we've really not been in those situations, critical moments yet enough to know. Mm-hmm. But um, And clearly those are coming. May come Saturday night. Let's welcome in Ryan in Hot Springs on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Ryan, welcome in this Monday morning. Hey, so uh, I want to put a stat out there for you. Um, how many games did we win in 2011? Uh, 10 and 11, 11 and 2. You lost two regular seasons to Alabama okay. and LSU. You want to take a wild guess uh, how many yards our lead rusher had that year? That would have been Dennis Johnson, probably slightly over 1,000 because Niles hurt. Uh, try again. It was slightly under 700. Our next closest was Ronnie Wingo with like uh, just under 500. It was like uh, 458. And, you're, and that was at a time in a league that where you could actually play defense. I'm not saying defenses ain't, ain't tough now. I'm just saying, but you know, the 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 way they call games now leans towards the offense. It's, it's the way it is in both the NFL and in college. But my my point I'm making here is I, we're making a, a uh, mountain out of a molehill. We also have a history. I I, I had been kind of keeping up with this, but. Um, War Machine 2013 went through a whole big history. He's got a whole tweet on it. I saved it. But basically, it's almost every single year that we've had good teams. We've had somebody we've struggled with. 2010, we struggled with uh, ULM. We only beat them like 31 to 7, and going into the fourth quarter, we were only up by like 21 on them. Um, the next year, we we uh, we beat a three and nine Troy team by 10 points. Well, I'm going with this. It's like it, it never fails. We, we're like a cat. We like to play with our food. I don't know what it is. I don't. We let teams that we're not supposed to let hang around with us hang around with. Yeah, Ryan, appreciate it. And Arkansas is not the only team. Just want to clarify that as well. That's a good point. Some good points you made. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the Natty State. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.